It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This week's episode is brought to you by the critically acclaimed drama Queen Sugar. From Oscar-nominated filmmaker Ava DuVernay, executive producer Oprah Winfrey, and Warner Horizon scripted television. The series returns for season two with a two-night premiere June 20th and 21st on OWN. The Guardian says Queen Sugar is a sweet success, Essence raves that it is gorgeous in its honesty, and TV Guide magazine calls it powerful. For your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking about Season 2 of Master of None with Aziz Ansari. Spoiler alert, don't listen until you've watched the whole season, so stay tuned. I'm Deborah Birnbaum from Variety's Executive Editor TV, and it's my pleasure to welcome Aziz Ansari. Hi, this is Aziz Ansari. This is my podcast voice. I hope this isn't distracting or weird, but this is how I talk whenever I do podcasts to make everything I'm saying sound a little more interesting or serious. And uh, yeah, it's working for you. <laughs> I like doing podcasts. You get to have a longer conversation. And I, so I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Happy yeah. to talk to you. All right. So I got a little bit of a sneak peek on Master of None Season 2. It's fantastic. Thanks. What did you want to accomplish going into Season 2 that you weren't able to do with Season 1? Well, I was very hesitant about even doing a second season. I was, I wanted to make sure the show didn't become so, sort of like cranking out meat, where it had a template. And I think if you wanted to come up with a template for a Master of None episode after seeing the first season, you, you probably could. It would probably be, okay, well, something happens to him in the beginning, some sort of thing that makes him think about some sort of social issue or whatever. And then he sits around with his friends and, and, and talks about it, and each person has kind of a different perspective. And then something happens to him, and... Um, he thinks he has uh, uh, an understanding of this and then with that newfound confidence he exercises it in a silly way and it backfires and then in the end he maybe has a more nuanced view and is maybe 5% smarter about these things that would be the template for what you would say if you had to predict what a Master of episode is I think we did different stuff, but if you had to say, like, okay, that's kind of what those guys do. So I said, let's never do that. Let's never do one of those scenes where it's the friends talking and everyone has it. I hate those scenes. Let's never do that again. <laughs> I just basically wanted to just not do anything we did in season one. I wanted to make sure that we were writing from a place of inspiration and not making the show because we were obligated to. And th that's why we took a long break um, between seasons. The first season came out, I think, November of 2015. So it's, it's been a while. And uh, I think uh, I think it really helped, and I think the second season is a lot better and more ambitious because of that break. And um, the the goal is just to Alan and I talked early on 
and even when we were taking the break, we would just text each other ideas of just like, what would be a crazy episode? Because our favorite episodes from the first season are probably the the, the parents episode and the mornings episode, Definitely. which were two episodes that had pretty big, um, ambitious ideas behind them. You know, the parents episode, there was flashbacks to India and Taiwan and, you know, many decades ago. And, and then the mornings episode, the idea was um, it was a year in this relationship seen through different mornings um, that spanned across the year. And so we just wanted each episode to have that kind of power in season two. Like every episode to feel like that, like not ever feel like we're doing like a filler episode. Like we wanted to feel like every episode was really um, had some big idea behind it and would be one that would make people talk, you know. And and that I think we we came close to pulling that off. That's what I feel about the second season. I feel like it's stronger because we're. We're just better at the show. We're all better at directing and writing, and we know what the show is. The first season of a show, you're, I think, in general, the second season of a show is better because the first season, you're just trying this thing. You're like, I, I, I hope this works, and we were very fortunate, and the show worked. And so now, in the second season, it's like, well, let's figure out how to really push this and even do even more exciting things that really excite us, given what we know works, and knowing the landscape we created with the show. It very much feels like that. Every episode is standalone. You try risky things, and you very much succeeded it. Oh, thanks. Um, talk about Italy. I mean, it feels very much when you start out, and we're not going to go into many spoilers here, but when you start out, you're in Italy. Yeah. What inspired you about Italy for the second season? Well, if you haven't seen the first season, stop listening for a few seconds, but my character ends up going to Italy. And so after the first season aired in November 2015, uh, around January, I started taking Italian lessons, and then I moved to this small town in Italy for like two months. I moved to the town that's in the episode. Uh, it's called Modena. And I moved there by myself with three weeks of shaky Italian under my belt, and I just started working in the... I worked in the pasta shop that you see in the first scene. I started working there, and I also worked at the restaurant that I eat lunch at in the episode, Osteria Giusti, and uh, the um, other place I worked in between that stuff is I would occasionally drop into this restaurant called Osteria Francescana, which is this very famous Italian restaurant, and it's an incredible place, and they let me do things here and there and teach me things. And so... Um, after doing that for a couple months, I really had an amazing experience. It was, it was, I started as kind of a research for the show thing, but it actually became a very good thing for Aziz, the person himself as well. And it provided a good inspiration for the show. It gave me some time to kind of clear my head and everything. And uh, it was an amazing cultural experience for me to, to kind of really not go to Italy on vacation but really try to live there and kind of be in this small town. And it was cool. No one knew who I was. They, they didn't really know what I was up to. And then we came back a few months later with this full crew. We're filming in all these places I used to be, using some of the real people that I used to work with and stuff. Like the scene in Osteria Giusti, the restaurant, I kind of had this funny back and forth with this um, woman there. And she's one of the women that really works there that taught me a lot about cooking. And, and she was really very funny when I first went in. I went in and, and just asked them in my after I had a lunch there. I asked them in in my horrible Italian uh, if I could just work there and learn. And these are all places that they don't speak any English. And she like made fun of me. And eventually it was like we'll talk to people and we'll let you know. And I came back the next day and they're like, okay, you can you can come here. Just come here in the in the morning and we're just gonna give you you know stuff to do. And uh, it was a really fun experience and uh, it really helped make those 
those Italy episodes, uh, I think, feel authentic and not feel like... I, I think they just feel very authentic because absolutely. I really was there and, and you know it was it was a great experience. I will warn you, it absolutely makes you crave pasta. I know it's a, it, you, you get very hungry watching the show. Definitely. How many risks did you feel like you could take? Did Netflix give you complete creative freedom? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think everyone's sick of hearing how much creative freedom Netflix <laughs> gives everybody. But yeah, they they give the best version of freedom you could ask for. Where they'll say, "Hey, we're not sure about this." And if we go, we're pretty sure about it. We think it'll work. They'll be like, okay, we trust you. But they also tell you things and you're like, well, that's a good point. And they're helpful. They're not like, they don't just give us a check and go away. They're not like crazy. Um, but they're very supportive. And whenever we have bigger ideas, they, they just embrace them. You know, there's, there's uh, 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 the, you know, the whole first episode is all black and white and, um, you know, I was a little worried. I was like, ooh, I wonder if they're going to say, you know, you can't do that. But they were like, that sounds great. That feels very organic to to what the episode is. And I was so excited because you don't really get to shoot in black and white these days. There's not very many opportunities to do that. So that that's the other thing is, you know, Alan and I always think about how we're so lucky to have the opportunity to do Master of None because we get to do so much. We get to do, we have such freedom that we have to take advantage because who knows if we'll ever get a situation like this again. I mean, can you curse on here or no? You can curse. Okay. Someone's going to fuck this up. <laughs> Someone's going to get a show. They're going to be like, yeah, do whatever you want. <laughs> and then they're going to make something horrible. And they'll be like, guys, we got to start telling people they can't do some stuff. <laughs> so right now we're in the sweet spot where no one's fucked it up yet. In a big way, so we're gonna we have to push ourselves and do crazy things. What's the point in just doing something safe? You know, we we have this opportunity. Let's let's just you know. I'm actually disappointed we didn't ask them for an episode where they're like, you can't do that. It, it actually, if we do a third season, I think the goal should be like we've got to even just even as a joke pitch something where they're like, guys, we really don't see how this could work as an episode. <laughs> but we did some. I mean, I don't want to spoil them because it's more fun for people to see them. Um, Without any uh, warning, but we did some stuff that I'm, I'm really excited about, and, and it's really cool they let us pull it off. Absolutely, and I would love to talk to you about after the season airs, because there's so much that's so exciting. I'm never Crazy. talking to you after this. <laughs> Don't break up Our with me. Time, we have about 30 minutes left, so you know, if you want to talk about it, now is your time. But there are episodes where there's moments of complete silence. Let's um, just- yeah, yeah, that was really fun to pull off. Uh, wait, so this comes this comes out before the show's premieres. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. So but can't say just talk about, I mean, taking that chance creatively and thinking about that from a... It's a very vague conversation for people. I but, know. But, but, well, that's just... The, Alan came in and pitched that idea. It's a it's a segment, and we'll just say it's a segment in episode six. Yes. Called New York, I Love You. And Alan came in and pitched that idea, and I was like, we have to do that. We have... That is such a cool idea. We have to do it. I haven't seen that before. We have to do it. And, uh, you know, that's when we get excited about things, when, uh, you know, when it's just like, oh, that'll be really cool, and I haven't seen that before. And, uh, and I feel that, that, was, that, was, that came out really well. I was really, really happy with that episode, and that, that segment in particular was really cool. To go back to, you know, issues you wanted to talk about, there's also one of my favorite episodes is this uh, episode about religion. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you wanted to tackle this season that you felt like you didn't get to do in the first season? That was an early idea we had, and it seemed like an interesting uh, area. And I had, it, soon after the first season happened, it was interesting because it was the first time I knew I had the show, and when things happened to me, I could put it in a Master of None notebook, whereas in the past I would put it in a 
in a stand-up notebook or something, and something happened with me and my family uh, where uh, it kind of mimicked some of the things that happened in that episode. And as soon as it happened, I, I told Alan, like, oh, this is a great area for an episode. And, um, and then me and my brother wrote it, which is really fun. Uh, I don't know if people know. My brother is, is a fantastic comedy writer who is, who is our kind of um, third in command after me and Alan and uh, him and Eric Wareheim. Uh, they're on set for everything, and Alan. I mean, uh, Anise is there for his name is Anise. He's there um, for all the writing and stuff too. But um, yeah, we wrote that together, and it was really fun. And uh, you know, it's about religion, and you know, my family is Muslim, and uh, it's I'd never seen humor that was kind of based on Islam. I've never seen like the equivalent of Jewish humor, like Islamic humor. And so the idea was to try to pull that off, to like take like. What Larry David or Woody Allen does with with their Jewish background, and try to do that with our Islamic background, and and I think we pulled it off. And Anis was just—he was really good in that episode. He pitched a lot of stuff that was so funny. Uh, like there was one part which we actually had to cut, but it was really funny. He at the time, it, I mean, it wasn't funny experience for him. But he told this story where we were like, "Well, what are some?" racist things that have happened to you and like looking like a brown guy because I don't have those experiences because I've been on TV for for years now so I haven't dealt with that kind of Islamophobia like I have a very atypical experience sure but Anis he has stuff happening and he was telling me stuff and I was like wow man like you never told me about any of this but in the context of putting in the episode it's really funny so we're like Anis what's some like racist kind of stuff that happened he was like what he said when he was a kid like after 9-11 at some point he was in a sporting goods store and he heard some guy go hey Taris get out of here and he was like where oh is my this God. guy but wait he's like where is this guy and he looked up and the guy was like up high on a rock climbing wall like yelling down from above and he was like it was so scary and weird but it was so funny because he was up on a rock climbing wall and he looked down he's like he's about to reach for the next block and he looks down and he sees a brown guy he's like hey Darren get out of here and so like well that's that we should put that in and uh, we didn't end up using that uh, but then there was another thing where he told us where he was um <laughs> He was walking down the street, and uh, this guy yells and goes, Hey, terrorists, why don't you go back to Pakistan? And he was like, Oh, my God. And he looked behind him, and there was another brown guy sitting in a taxi. And the guy goes, Oh, my God, not you. I'm just yelling at my friend, Gopal. This is like an inside joke we have. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And I was like, What? This really happened? And uh, we we did that as well, but they didn't make it in the episode. It just didn't work in the context of the episode. But um, there were many other funny things he pitched that actually did make it in. And the opening scene in that, where you see me as a little kid um, eating bacon, and um, I, you, that being the way I learned that my family is Muslim, that is a hundred percent real story from from my childhood that we filmed with this little kid, and that was a very surreal moment to be like, "Wow, this happened to me when I was like <laughs> seven years old." Now I'm 34, and we're filming it with this other little Indian kid. It's great. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was very surreal, but it was cool. But that episode, I'm uh, you know, and that episode, I'm very happy with too. Uh, 
My dad is in the. I, we need to talk all about people, your parents. All people <laughs> care about on the show is my parents. Of course. I, I don't really uh, use check the internet stuff too much, but I was uh, whenever we put out the trailer, I just looked to see like you know what people were saying if they were excited or whatever. Like the trailer, and um, this uh, one person wrote like, "All right, I was worried." And then when it got to 59 seconds, I was relieved. And I was like, well, what happened to 59? I go in there, and that's like the first shot of my parents. Of course. And I was like, oh, so now he's on board. So, yes, the, but, parents, um, the parents are back. They're in that episode a lot, and they're really good in it. My dad is really funny in that episode. And, uh, yeah, like, we screened it, and we are just like, wow, he just kills in this episode. Uh, he's really good in it. If, if you're a fan of him, you will enjoy Episode three. It's it's a it's a nice treat for fans of his work, which is now a phrase that you can say honestly, which is very insane. So, what kind of demands did your parents make to make, to make a comeback in season two? Oh, my mom was said just say the mom's on vacation the whole season. She didn't want to do it. She's like say I'm say my character's at a wedding. She was just pitching all these reasons why her character wasn't there. <laughs> my dad is meanwhile pitching other uh, just full episodes for his character. Of course. Um but he pitched the storyline that's in uh his his character is in episode 7 and the storyline in that is something he pitched that we really put in. Uh so he actually did get one of his ideas on and um and, you know, I, they talked to me a lot about the, the subject matter in episode three um, because, you know, the episode's about Islam, but it's also really about family and religion and how religion plays in the family and how religion um, kind of changes with each generation and, you know, what, what, what kind of conflict that causes when one generation doesn't want to embrace religion as much as another generation. Uh, so, you know, we had a lot of conversations about that stuff, and, and a lot of it is in the, uh, the episode. And um, But they're, they're, they were a big part of that episode. Uh, that episode, it's really special to think about it, it you know, as, even as we're saying it, just to think about, like, how much my whole family was involved in that. You know, I remember there was one moment my brother was sitting there pitching a joke that my dad said, and, you know... Uh, it got a huge laugh, like everyone in the crew laughed, and, uh, and we're filming it. And I was like, wow, this is incredible to, to like make this with your immediate family and, and to make something you're proud of, that you're excited about. I mean, that's, that's really cool. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll hear more about what's in store for season two. This week's episode is also brought to you by the acclaimed hit comedy The Big Bang Theory from Warner Brothers Television for CBS. Entertainment Weekly gives Big Bang an A+. TV Guide Magazine calls it classy and hilarious. USA Today says it's extremely funny and can still make you laugh out loud. And we at Variety point out that it remains TV's top comedy, a huge feat for a show in its 10th season. For your Emmy consideration in all categories. So much of the season two is about Dev's search for romance, but I was thinking too, it really is also about, you know, your male friendship. I mean, your friendship with Eric Wareham's character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's really a great relationship. That you yeah, know. you know, we're really good friends in 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 uh, real life as well. And there's definitely moments where I'm just talking to him, like, man, we are this show. We're we, you we, totally we, are the show. We, we, that's we're the true the love story. Guys. Like, we we were sitting in a bar one night after we were filming. And we were both, like, talking about a date one of us had had the night before. And then we are like, we filmed in this place, <laughs> sitting in these seats, saying a similar thing. This is crazy. 
Um, but, you know, he's such a sweet guy, and we're so... Uh, we're happy that, you know, we became even better friends in between the seasons. He came and visited me in L.A., and some of the stuff in the episode uh, where he's in Italy is based on some of the antics that happened to us in, in Italy. Man, you guys should put this out after the episode comes out so I can talk about the things in the episode. You're definitely putting it out before? Let's talk about but Maybe we'll put it out afterwards. We'll, we'll talk about the date. You should, because then I can say the stuff without being so vague. All right, say the stuff. So but don't put it out before because right, you're well, be spoiling. Okay. <laughs> we got it. We, you heard that, right, Melissa? <laughs> Melissa's one of my handlers. All right. <laughs> um, okay, so there's a scene in episode two. Don't listen now if you haven't seen the episodes. Because they might alert. They might lie to me and put it out before. <laughs> they might. Well, we tried, but that's not an impression of you. That's not an impression of anybody. It's just a vague person. Uh, and we tried to put it out before, but you know what, Zines? We just couldn't find schedule in the podcast schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that person? They sound awful. That is not me. It's not you. It says it's not you. Okay. It's it's vague variety podcast <laughs> scheduler. Well, Zines, we tried to put it out before, but you know we had this thing with uh, you know we had a podcast with Barry Jenkins that we already scheduled to put out the week after the show. But you know people are going to really like it; they're going to like it, and it's going to be fine. And anyone that's worried about spoilers, they'll just turn off because you know you said every time. God, does it? Is this getting offensive? I, I don't even know the. the <laughs> I, I don't know what, what the or, ethnicity of that person is. I don't know the is. ethnicity or gender of that person, but, but they have a terrible voice. Terrible voice. Someone, someone with the weird <laughs> nasally voice that runs podcasts is very offended right now. Definitely They're very offended. Um, well, there's a scene in episode two where our car gets stuck in a tiny alley, and that actually happened to me and Eric. And if you look deep in our Instagram, you will see a photo of us in Sicily where we got stuck in this little alley. And it was so funny to me because Eric was like really stressing out. We, and it was it was exactly like what happens in the episode. We're, we're driving and I'm like sitting in the passenger seat. I say, Eric, yeah, it looks like we got to make this left. And he's like, I don't know, it looks pretty tight. And then this the greatest thing happens, which we did in the episode as well, where this truck just barrels through this tiny alley, just whips through so fast. And so we said, oh, we'll be fine. Folding our mirrors, we drive in, we get stuck, I gotta climb out from the top, there's Italians honking and yelling at us, everyone's going crazy, Eric's freaking out, I took a picture of him in the car, and it, and then we, we, we knew right away, it's like, well, this this will be something we fictionalize for the show, this is too funny. And, and what was so great is, we had this picture from when we really got stuck, and that scene was very tricky to film. And that was one of the ones I directed, and we're in Italy in a different place, and we're trying to find a way to recreate this alley and all this stuff. And I kept showing people this picture. Like, we gotta, it's got to be as funny as the real picture. If we're not as funny as the real picture, we're losing, you know? And so it was a very tricky scene to pull off. Um, but we did, and, and it's so great. Whenever we screen that episode and that scene plays, it, I, I'm always so excited that we pulled it off. And it's, it's, a, big, it's a big comedy set piece in the episode, and it, 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 it was totally inspired by Eric coming to visit me and that happening to us and, you know, all the things that happened when he, he visited me. Very similarly to the show, after I was living in Modena for a little while, he came to visit me and I was like showing him around, speaking Italian. And he was like, what is happening? This is crazy. You're like fluent in Italian. I'm, like, I'm not fluent, but I know my way around. Like people in the markets are like saying hi to me and stuff. But it, it was just it was very similar to some of the antics in the episode. Is there ever anything in your real life you won't put in the show? Well, you look, every everyone that makes stuff. They're they're pulling from their life in some way, and I am as well. But uh, it's it's all fictionalized, and you know, uh, there's some things that really happen, and there's plenty of things that never happened. Um, there's some things where uh, there, you know, for example, at the end, uh, you better put this at the end because I'm just going to start <laughs> saying shit. 
say shit. All right. So we're putting it at the end. All right. Got another person. Variety. We have a verbal verbal contract here. Uh, so the thing, for example, at the end of episode four, uh, where there is the, the racist cookie jar. Mm-hmm. I, I never slept with a girl that had a racist cookie jar, but I did go to a girl's house one time, and she had that jar. And I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing with this jar? You can't have the jar. You get the jar's got to go." And she was like, "What? Someone got it as a gift." I was like, "It's got to go." And she was like, "What do you mean? Why?" And I was like, "You're crazy. Has anyone seen this that has a dark complexion besides me?" And she said, "The thing that's in the episode." Well, I haven't had any African American guests. I was like, "Throw it out." And she threw it out. Um, what else? Uh, oh, the thing we were talking about earlier was there was a segment where in episode six. So that episode, that was an early idea we had for season two where Alan and I were just emailing just like, you know, what would just be like big ideas for an episode? And we were like, what about an episode where I'm not even in it? Mm-hmm. Where you just follow totally different people. And we started talking about how all of these shows, you know, whether it's my show, Louie or Atlanta, they all kind of follow like. People like us, you know, comedians, whatever. That are, they, They're the ones that get the opportunity to kind of show their experience and, and a window into the, the love and drama and, and heartbreak of their lives, right? And you never see, like, there's so many New Yorkers. The reason the episode's called New York, I Love You, is, like, there's so many New Yorkers, and every single one has a Master of None show that we don't get to see. Mm-hmm. But they have humor, they have love and heartbreak and all those things in their life, and... In a dream world, everybody would. It would be great to just see everyone's version of their kind of show, of whatever these shows are now. And so the idea was like, well, let's try to do that with these different groups. And so we just started interviewing different people that just seemed like interesting New Yorkers. And at one point, Alan was like, well, what if we do a segment that's about people that are deaf and there's no audio and we just do it? And I was like, that would be awesome if we could pull that off. And so we started interviewing. Um, these deaf people and the stories they were telling us were so interesting and they talked about how they 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 were very excited by the idea of us doing this because they're like oh whenever deaf people are normally shown it's so fucking sad and they're just like you know they're like they're so like polite and nice they're never like evil or like mean or anything they're always just like so proper and these boring people this was not proper yeah and i was like you know this is exactly i i i i, I don't know exactly what you mean but i i've had a similar feeling being an indian person and seeing indian people that are these kind of cardboard cutouts and you realize everyone has this cardboard cutout of them on tv that they're just very annoyed with <laughs> yes. they're like that's those are people so th- we interviewed all of them and then we we had this idea of like what if they're just having like a very vulgar discussion about um the the uh, uh, about cunnilingus. <laughs> like Another a, word a we've very, never heard on this podcast. Yeah, very. Uh, yeah, that's very. I could have just said something way more, way more vulgar. No, go there. But anyway, so they're sitting there talking about eating pussy. And <laughs> Welcome to the final variety podcast with Aziz Ansari. This episode will be airing. <laughs> Four days before the premiere of Master of None, season two, where everything will be spoiled. Uh, we now go back to Aziz, who's sharing an onsen anecdote about a scene from season two, episode six, where two deaf characters are discussing cunnilingus, 
or as he said two minutes ago, what was it, the phrase he used, Deborah? What was it? I'm not saying it. I just forgot. What was the phrase? Can you just say it real quick? What was it? It involved kittens. No. What was the phrase? What was it? Can you say it? What was it? Is that offensive to say that? If, if someone is offended by a phrase, I apologize in advance. This is my preemptive apology press release. Postemptive. <laughs> I think I just made up a word. Postemptive. I, if anyone is offended by that phrase being used in substitute of cunnilingus, I, I'm very sorry. Um, He's just trying to see how red he can make my face turn. We're good. I'm just going to talk about the scene for the rest of the time. No, That's good. But that, it, was, it was funny to us, the idea of like showing them being very vulgar and having this conversation about something very personal and sexual in this public place. And um, that, that moment of where there's another woman who knows ASL who's with their kids kind of approaching. That was based on something one of the people we interviewed told us. They were like, yeah, there's been times where I've been saying some pretty messed up stuff, and then someone's been like, hey, excuse me, you know, my kids are here, and they know ASL, and they know what you're talking about right now. And, uh, yeah, but the episode, I, I'm really happy with that one because we pulled off what we wanted to do, where you just show, like, oh, everyone has these really interesting hilarious moments and you you're only going to get to see a certain slice of it in in our entertainment world but every single person could have their own show and everything if they if they had the resources and whatever absolutely i can't even think of a next question to segue to but i'm gonna try (laughs) how do you balance all of your roles on the show as acting writing directing is there one that you enjoy the most i the, the funnest for me is when it's the, the hardest, where I'm directing, acting, and everything. It's a really fun challenge. And the only reason I'm able to pull it off is we have a fantastic crew, and Alan, my brother and niece, and Eric. And our craft services person is very key. No, uh, I mean, they are. The whole crew is key, but... Alan, Eric, and Anise, uh, they basically, and my assistant, Jessica, they maintain my sanity. But you kind of go crazy sometimes. It's very hard. And I kind of do, like, lose it at times. Not lose it, but I, it, it gets stressful at times. But it's a fun sure. challenge. And, um, you know, this season, it was so much harder for me than last season. The last season, I directed two episodes. This season, I directed four. One of them was a double episode, so it was basically doing five. And the last script was really wrong, too. So it was almost like doing six episodes. And the last chunk was the last... The last episodes we drew, we filmed were episodes nine and ten, which I directed, and those were the last chunks. So it was like almost like I did eight episodes of Master None, and then I filmed this movie afterwards. <laughs> it was a lot. But I was so excited about what we were doing, and I got better at directing and everything. I was so much more confident. You know, when I was in Italy, what I would do is I'd work in the puzzle shops, and then I kind of went to... Film school in my in my little apartment afterwards. I would just watch all these old movies. I watched like Italian cinema, all the kind of stuff I hadn't seen, like you know Bergman stuff, like Scenes from a Marriage, or um, you know all the Antonioni stuff, and all, all these things that I just hadn't seen. And I was just like ripping through it, and I just learned so much, and I was so much more confident visually, um, and and just just was more ambitious about what I wanted to try to pull off. And also, we again we knew what the show was, and knew the style of the show, so we we had the opportunity to push it and try you know even harder things and. I was just so much more confident in all this stuff, and uh, it was a fun challenge. It does feel like we're 
in this boom of auteur-driven TV right now. There are so many shows that are you know being done by writers, actors, directors right now. Yeah, it's peaked. I, mm. I, I, it's it's done. <laughs> that whole thing's done. It's uh, I, yeah, that's another reason I'm like I don't know if we should do a season three because it's like everybody's got one of these shows now. You've got you know you have your show you got to make. <laughs> First episode is about, oh, I have a guest on, and he keeps wanting to talk about something I can't say. Well, that's what we're for you. So how do you stand out? Like, what is it that defines the show for you? Uh, I, I don't know, but I really do feel like it's almost, I, I, after the season, I don't know. Because the way we stand out is we, we try to just do things that are more and more ambitious, but that even, that'll become a trope. Mm-hmm. Oh, and these shows, everyone, they just do crazy stuff every episode. That'll be the trope. So I think this season I feel good about, but I don't know. I mean, even now, it's so crazy to think of the difference. When we pitched Master of None to Netflix, Netflix had two shows. They had House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. That's it. Wow. And if we didn't make Master of None, they're like, guys, we don't have anything. <laughs> now it's like there's a trailer for like my neighbor having a show. <laughs> like, I didn't know you did television. I bought the office's book, sold it to Netflix. They let me do whatever I want. It's great. That was a another character I'm working on. It's <laughs> my neighbor that gets TV deals and sounds kind of like Seinfeld. Do you have ideas for season three? Oh, my God. No, why ask me that? <laughs> Sorry. It's a terrifying question. I don't even know if we'll do season three. I, you know, the season two, it's like, you know, we took that time, and that's what helped. I, I don't ever want to do the show because we're obligated to. I want to do it because we're inspired, and, and I think Netflix is very supportive of us in that way. They let us take the long break before season two, and, they, you know, I, I think at first they were a little bit disappointed, you know. Like whenever When people are making these kind of shows, I mean, we finished, and they're like... You guys ready to get back in the room? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> I'm ready to go away. <laughs> and, like, have you got to have stuff happen to you. Also, it's like, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if I can, I've got to have some stuff happen to me in my life where I, I'm inspired. i got to, like, get married or have a kid. I, I don't know if I can write any more stuff about this guy running around being single in New York, you know? It's going to get old. People are going to be like, all right, Z's, what? I, I don't know how many more observations I have on that life. So I've got to take some time and look, working on the show, it's a dream situation, right? I'd love to keep making seasons of it as long as they're good and we're inspired, though. And uh, because, look, it's it's the greatest job I will ever have. And and I was really lucky. I was on Parks and Rec. That was the greatest job I ever had. But Master None is really my favorite job I will ever have, probably, because... We have so much creative freedom. It's really fun. You know, it's Netflix. So let's do whatever. You know, they're really great. For, very artist friendly. Um, and uh, I get to do it with two of my best friends, my brother, and my parents. And a fantastic crew that I've, I've grown to love um, over these two seasons. I mean, you're not going to beat that situation. And people like the show a lot. I mean, you, it, it, to make something you're really proud of and for other people to like it is, is great. You know, if no one liked it, it'd still be something I was very happy to work on. But when we put out the first season and that reception, that was crazy. We never expected that. We, we expected people to think it's okay, it's, it's good. I mean, we thought it was good, but we didn't think, you know, we'd win all those awards and all those kind of things and that people would just connect to it on such a deep way. Um, it's very moving, you know. When people come up to you on the street, if you're a comedian, normally what happens is people just yell something you've said. They yell, treat yourself, or something like that. With Master of None, it's the first time I've done something. 
where people come up to me and they're like almost about to cry. <laughs> My parents, they moved from Vietnam and that episode, we watched it together. And it's like, wow, that's such an amazing thing that this right. is, that, that I'm mm-hmm. so happy that you enjoyed that. Or people tell me like, my boyfriend watched episode 10 and saw that thing with the vows and then he broke up with me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I saw a guy in Japan. I was in Japan. He was like, I'm in Japan because Rachel went to Japan. And I was like, okay, bye. Because <laughs> he said it like that. It was a little scary. Yes. But I'd never done something where it's, even with my stand-up and everything, to like connect at that level has been really cool. You've touched people. In, in, in the best He's of ways. Sorry. He touches, <laughs> he touches people. people. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. We're done. Talking. We're done. I had so much more stuff we could talk about. We, we barely scratched the surface. I know, but you know, we've got to end it there. Is it, is it ended because of the vulgar language? I've no, been not because of the vulgar language. We'll, we'll do a part two. Y'all better not edit that out. We know. We'll, we'll keep it in. I promise. What are you going to call the episode? I think you need something with like two words. Something that really is attention grabbing. No, you, I think you, maybe you can come up with it. Maybe just pitch a few. Just something like attention-grabbing, two words. Um, <laughs> something, you know, you, it's a clickbait culture, Deborah. It is a clickbait culture. If, if you have a podcast that says, Aziz Ansari discusses Master None, no. No, but Aziz Ansari discusses Master None and says... And discusses what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you fill in the blank. I'm not moving from the microphone until you say the phrase. I'm not saying it. Is it an offensive phrase? I'm genuinely... I don't know what's offensive anymore. I don't know. Is it an offensive phrase? It's not an offensive phrase. It's not. So why would she say it? Is the P word offensive? It's not. Because I'm a good Jewish girl from Long Island. What can I tell you? Okay. There we have it. So, Master of None, tune in. What date? Um, uh, the, the date is May 12th. Is that right? May 12th? God, I don't even know that. We just the first day of press. I don't even know when the show is coming out. May 12th, all episodes, including episode 6, that has a scene with the two deaf characters talking about eating pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Aziz. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next week with another great episode. I'll be chatting with Thomas Metalditch, the star of Silicon Valley. See you next week. This week's episode is also brought to you by Warner Horizon Unscripted Television's smash hits Little Big Shots from executive producers Steve Harvey and Ellen DeGeneres for NBC. Two of the biggest names in comedy team up to showcase some of the smallest talent in the world in this comedy variety series featuring the world's most extraordinary kids. Hosted by Harvey, Little Big Shots airs Sundays at 8 p.m. on NBC for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.